I'm going to go where some won't go, uh, <laughs> where most dare not to go, but uh, we, we, go, we go there. Amen. So praise the Lord. This morning, uh, you might want to turn me down a little bit because that's, that's just going to make me want to use this handheld if I keep hearing that little thump there. Is that better? Praise the Lord. Okay, that's a lot better. Um, we're going to be talking about prosperity for a long time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about wealth. We're going to talk about money. We're even going to talk about some practical things. I'm just not sure we're gonna get when we're going to get into that. But uh, today, in particular, we're talking about faith for prosperity. Amen? And so let's dive right into that. If you don't like it, well, you can go... Uh, somewhere else and hear how to be broke if you want to. <laughs> you, we, we can, we, I can even teach you that. You know, someone got mad at me years ago for preaching on prosperity. said, I can't believe you talk about money in church. I said, well, you talk about money everywhere you go. You leave this place today, you're going to go somewhere and talk about money. And I hear a lot of people, even, even in our own church, you know, they post stuff online complaining about gas prices. So you talk about money on social media. You know, I'm not happy about gas prices either, but all my needs are met according to his riches and glory. One of the biggest things I'm not happy about is that we're not drilling oil. It's just an energy, uh, you know, independent. Instead, uh, you know, I'm not going to preach on that, but I, that's just stupid. And it's, it's stupid to make someone else stronger like Putin. But anyway, we're praying for the stupidity of people that are leading our nation that their eyes of their understanding be open. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to fund uh, uh, an evil war machine out there who's doing what he's doing. So, but anyway, I ain't preaching on that anyway. That's free. And you say, well, I don't agree with it. That's okay. I don't agree with, with you not agreeing with it. So, praise the Lord. But we're going to talk about prosperity today and you're going to be really blessed. And I... I I preached a series years ago because someone got mad at me for preaching it, and uh, I preached a series on how to be broke and how to be really good at it, because <laughs> the Bible talks a lot in Proverbs especially about, you know, you want to be broke, quit your job, stop working, you know what I mean, you'll be broke real quick, so there's, there's a lot the Bible talks about being broke, but there's also a lot that the Bible talks about being rich. And so we're going to go over that stuff, and uh, you, you're really, really going to, to be blessed in Jesus' name. Prosperity is included in your covenant with God. Prosperity is included in your covenant with God. A price was paid so that you could walk in it. A price, what, what price? A precious price. The blood of Jesus was poured out. The Bible says we're not redeemed by corruptible things, but by by the blood of Jesus, not by gold, silver, goats, cat, but the blood of Jesus has redeemed us. And then Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Well, that curse includes so many things, sickness, disease, separation from God. I mean, the curse of the law and the curse of the fall. But it also means poverty. We've been redeemed from poverty. We've been redeemed from lack. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're redeemed from, from poverty. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's a truth. It's something that happened. Your redemption exists, and you may or may not be walking in it, 
but I believe it's time for the body of Christ to hear about it because where you have heard about something, faith comes for it. Faith comes out by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And if faith will come for that, then you'll begin to walk in what the blood of Jesus has provided for you and for I. And it's amazing how many Christians will fight for the right to be sick. Well, I believe in healing, but... I believe, and they'll do the same thing for prosperity. They'll fight for the right to be poor. Why would you want to be poor? Well, you hear religious things that we're going we're gonna to deal with some of these. We're going to go into the weeds today. We're going to deal with some of these religious cows. Well, I just want to be humble, or I just want to, I'm content. We'll deal with some of that stuff. Well, I don't want to be worldy. We'll deal with some of that stuff in the scripture and get our mind renewed to what, true humility is to what true uh, prosperity looks like what it means to be content what does the Bible have to say about that what, it, what, what is the definition of these things so that we can get rid of some of these religious cows and traditions that have kept us uh, from walking in some, some big grand things that are freely ours that belong to us. I'm talking about some, some grand things. God, God's got some large things for you. God wants you blessed. You know, you know, we've got old covenant promises that say, you know, if you do this, you'll be the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the basket. We, we read these blessings in Deuteronomy, and they're all tied to you doing something and then Jesus came under a new covenant and did all those things for us and tied prosperity to his works so that we could walk in it freely. You talk about old covenant blessing. Well, we can go and spend days seeing how people were blessed in the Old Testament without being redeemed. But you and I are redeemed under a better covenant based on better promises so we ought to be even more blessed. Come on, somebody. And I found this scripture. We read it Wednesday night. Y'all going to get excited today. If, you, if you're not excited about this, then, then uh, quit your job and get real excited about being poor. Quit paying your bills, all that stuff, and get excited about that. I'm not excited when there's insufficiency in my life. I'm more excited when I've got more all-sufficiency, when I've got an abundance to not just take care of my items, but to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. And that's how it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. And so God wants you rich whether you want to be rich or not. God wants you blessed whether you want to be blessed or not. That's God's want to. And he wants you to get your want to in line with his want to. And when that happens, you come into unity with God. Your confession comes into unity with God. Your mindset comes into unity with God. And then all of a sudden, things start to lift in your life. All, all of a sudden, promotion comes your way. All of a sudden, gifts and surprises are coming your way. All of a sudden, favors coming your way. All of a sudden, doors are opening that wouldn't open before. Come on, somebody. All of a sudden, there's a spirit of generosity about you. All of a sudden, you want to be a blessing to somebody. All of a sudden, you change your concept and your idea of what it means, come on, to, to be blessed. And so I believe we'll hit on some of these things, and, and uh, man, we're going to have a time. Amen?
So look at the scripture in Ecclesiastes. I, I, I had you turn somewhere, but I want you to see something just in my introduc uh, introduction. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. Y'all are shouting right now, but there are some things you, you do to participate in this that might make you cringe a little bit. <laughs> Especially when you're so married to your stuff that when God tells you to get rid of something, your flesh just throws a little tantrum. So a lot of this stuff is going to hammer on your flesh. And then it's going to scour and scrub your mind to the point where you're clean and, and pure in your thinking, where it lines up with God. And you don't have, a, you don't have cultural poverty. You don't have average mentality. You don't have traditions of men. You don't have grandma's traditions messing with you. You don't have your Baptist traditions messing with you. You don't have your Pentecostal traditions messing with you. You don't have your word of faith traditions messing with you. You know, Brother Hagin, he was talking about that. He said one day the Lord showed him in a vision. Uh, all of a sudden he was pulling something out of him. And it looked like seaweed coming out of him. And he said, Lord, what's that? The Lord said, that's your Baptist religion coming out of you. And then, and then a branch came out and another, some more seaweed on it. And there was an old boot hanging on it. He said, Lord, what's that? He goes, I'm getting you delivered from some of your Pentecostal religion too. He goes, I thought I was free. Didn't realize I had some of that in me. And I, I think when the word of God, if you receive the word of God in truth, it'll expose some things that might be in you that don't necessarily line up with truth that you've been clinging to and abiding by and it's been keeping you bound and so we want to get a hold of truth today don't you and so look at this scripture go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 5 and verse 7 we'll just use this as an introduction uh, text look here what it says there is an evil which I've seen under the sun as an error everybody say error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Now, pay attention to the very last phrase. He calls this error. Everybody say error. He said, I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking like servants on the earth. Notice this. This should be reversed. This should be the opposite. The princes should be on the horses, and the servants should be walking. The kings should be acting and operating like kings, and the servants should be operating and acting like servants. You say, where, where is this error? Well, have you ever had a, a check engine light? go on in your car what that's doing is showing you there's a malfunction there's an error somewhere somewhere in the electrical system it was triggered that there's something going wrong with your engine and the bible says this is error in other words if you're not walking like kings and princes being a part of the body of christ then a check engine light should go off on the inside of you You should be on the horse, not on the ground. You should be living above, 
not beneath. You should be the head, not the tail. And the problem is, is we've got Christians that are on the tail instead of at the head. We've got Christians that are living beneath the barrel. Don't shout me down. Preaching real good. Don't get mad at me either. That's okay. You have a right to be mad at whoever you want to be mad at. But don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. This is God saying this to you. You should be the head, not the tail. You should be, come on somebody, blessed and not cursed. You can even go further than prosperity. You should be healed and not sick. You should have the best things, not the worst things. Amen. You say, well, oh, that just bothers me to hear that because, you know, I've got some things that just aren't, you know, aren't, aren't functioning properly. I'm not trying to make you, make you feel condemned, but maybe if you can change your mindset, come on, concerning prosperity, you would start acting different. Talking different. Thinking different. Amen. God has designed you and equipped you to go about this earth and multiply and prosper regardless of where you live, regardless of your geographical location, regardless of your race, regardless of your gender. Come on. Regardless of, uh, of how long you've uh, uh, went to school or what kind of education you have. God's not dependent on any of that. But when you get born again, he puts a blessing on you and he empowers you to prosper. Come on, somebody. And he gives you a covenant of prosperity. You know what a covenant of prosperity is? That means he swore by his son's blood that he would prosper you. Hallelujah. And he cut the covenant through a lamb that went to the cross and died and shed blood is the payment price of any covenant and he shed his blood to ensure that prosperity would be available for you and I to walk in. Amen. Hallelujah. It's yours. You have a right to it. You have ownership to it. Now go in and possess the land of prosperity. Amen. Come on somebody. Give God a big shout. And so if your air or your check engine light is on, it's time now to rise up and possess the land of prosperity. You say, why are you preaching this kind of stuff? Because there's people that uh, are, are dealing and struggling right now financially with all the inflation that's going on. But God doesn't want you to have pressure concerning finances. He wants you to have power concerning finances. God never designed you to, uh, to take the pressure, but to deal with the pressure with the power that's on you. Amen. And so pressure may come and uh, hardship may come, but even in hard times, amen. I said even in hard times, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even in hard times, the Lord meets all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Even in hard times, amen, I'll have more than enough. 
because he's the God of more than enough. He doesn't care what gas prices are. He doesn't care what's going on in the grocery uh, store and how, how the price of bread is. He don't care about mortgages and how high, high homes are going. He's not moved by that, and we're his children. And if my daddy's not moved by it, and I'm his child, and he's my source, and he's my supply, then why should I be worried about it? Why should I talk with anxiety? Why should I let the anxieties of the earth come upon me and affect me? I should be riding on the horse, not walking on the ground. I should be living in the high places, not living in the low places. If you want to live in the low places, then talk like the world. Think like the world. Think poverty thoughts. Think lack. Think not enough. But if you want to live in the high places, start acting like God and talking like God and thinking like God and get a revelation of your covenant, come on, that belongs to you of prosperity. Amen. Some of you, God wants you to start businesses. Some of you, God's got open doors for you. And if you just put your hands to it, you'll be blessed. Some of you, God wants to turn you into millionaires. Hallelujah. He wants you so blessed that you can establish his kingdom in the earth. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at her text. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm excited about this, so if I get a little excited, then just go ahead and join me. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 and then verse 18. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do. Read this next part together with me. That ye may live and multiply. Read that again. That you may live and multiply. One more time that you may live and multiply. Now turn to your neighbor and say it to them. That you may live and multiply. This is the will of God for me. What is it? That I may live. Change it, make it personal. Say that I may live and multiply. So it's the will of God for me what? To live. But while I'm living, God wants me multiplying. While I'm living, God wants me increasing. Not decrease, but increase. Amen. Not, uh, not lack, but more than enough. When you multiply, you have more than enough. Everybody say, more than enough. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and that more abundantly. So God's called me to live the abundant life. And he's saying here, he said, I command thee this day to observe to do. We'll talk about that later. But he says that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swear unto your fathers. But thou shalt, verse 18, skip over there to verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power or the ability to get, say that word out loud. Even if you don't, even if you, you know, it just stirs up them devils, them religious devils. Just say it real loud. Say it again. Say it again. Say it until you believe it, that God wants you to have wealth. God wants you having wealth. Okay? He said it's the Lord that gives thee the power to get wealth, and then comma. There's a comma there, right? So why? Why? This is our text. Why does he want me to have wealth? So that he may establish his covenant. So this ain't about covetousness. This is about covenant. 
so that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now go quickly over to the book of Psalms uh, 35, chapter 35. We're talking about covenant wealth. God wants us to possess the land of prosperity. He wants you to possess the land. And when you possess the land, he wants you to live in it and multiply. Amen? Hallelujah. Now I want you to get your eyes off your age. Get your eyes off your abilities. I, I, I'm not just talking to, to young people that have a, have a longer future than you ahead of them. Get your eyes off of your employment status or your situation. Get your eyes off of what diplomas you do or don't have. Notice I said do or don't have. This has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus and the covenant. that it, I'm talking about covenant prosperity. Before you sow a seed, before you get a mindset, prosperity is only dependent upon the covenant sworn by your Father God and the blood of Jesus. And that alone, without that being the basis, there is no true prosperity. That's the basis of it. Okay, so we're talking about covenant wealth. Covenant prosperity. Glory to God. Now look here in verse 27. It says, let them, that's you. Well, I'll, I'll show you where it talks about you, okay? So, and then you can include yourself in this verse. It says, let them what? So now we're talking about an attitude. Shout for what? And be what? So joy and gladness. Two things. That has to do with your attitude. So right now, you can make that adjustment, if, especially if you're dealing with some inner attitude towards certain messages that you hear. And you know why people have an attitude towards it? It's because there's too much preaching that's funded by people that are put on radios that you can easily turn on that preach against faith, preach against healing, preach against prosperity, when God wants you healed and he wants you fully funded with abundance so that you can establish his covenant. You won't be able to establish his covenant broke and you won't be able to establish his covenant sick. If you're going to be laid up sick or you're going to be laid up without money, you can't do a whole lot in the kingdom in this earth because it takes money to get things done. In fact, it takes money to pay your bills. It takes money to, it, it takes, uh, let's see, about $15 to put two and a half gallons of tank, uh, uh, two, two, two and a half gallons of gas in your tank. And so if it takes money to do that and you need to get around, then you better perk up and get your attenders, your ears inclined into what I'm saying to you today because God wants you getting around. God wants you living without anxiety. God wants you doing the work of the ministry without a care in the world. God don't want you broke. God don't want you living paycheck to paycheck. God doesn't want you living in debt using your credit card for every purchase you got to do. And if that's where you're at right now, I'm not condemning you, but it's time to get off the ground like a servant and get on the horse like a prince, and we got to start somewhere. We're going to have to start with our mindset. We're going to have to change the way we think. Then we're going to have to change the way we talk. Come on, we're going to talk about these. And then we're going to have to change some of our actions and start acting the Word of God out because the Word of God is true and allowing the Word of God to 
be fruitful in our lives will propel us to our rightful place in the land of prosperity. Glory to God. But it starts, you got to change your attitude. So you got to get happy about it. you got to get excited. Why would you not get excited about hearing about how God wants to bless you? So he says, let them what? Shout for joy and be glad. Who's he talking to? Those that favor his righteous cause. What is that? That's establishing his covenant. Glory to God. God's cause in the earth is, is established, it's establishing his covenant in the earth. It's extending the boundaries of his kingdom. How do you do that? It's by getting people saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. And healed. It's by growing his church in the earth. The earth needs the church. If you don't know that, don't realize that, there's a spirit in the earth that's trying to close the church. There's a spirit, especially in the last two years, trying to shut the mouth of the church because the mouth of the church is the mouthpiece of God. And if there's no words from the prophets and the preachers and the church and there's no light in the earth, then there's no hope for the darkness that's in the earth. The earth needs the church. There's one day when the church is going to leave the earth. There's a day coming. And, and, and this place is going to be in some, in some mess, in, in a hurt. But when, as long as the light's here, come on somebody, we got a work to do. we got a covenant to establish. we got people to reach. And you know money's a tool, and it takes money to do that. And God wants to have a covenant of wealth for you so that you can establish his righteous cause. You can favor his righteous cause. I, it's one thing to be in favor of your righteous cause and another thing to be in favor of God's righteous cause. It's one thing to be selfish-minded and another thing to be purpose-minded or God-minded. It's one thing to be kingdom-minded. In other words, I'm here in the earth for a purpose, for a reason. Not just to raise my four and no more, five in my case, but no, it's not just to build a family and live the American dream. I'm here for a kingdom purpose. You say, well, sure you are. You're a pastor. Well, I'm a pastor to empower you for kingdom purpose. I'm teaching you that you got a purpose. You got a destiny. You got a plan, and you can't do it broke. You say, Well, what is my purpose? I, I don't know specifics about it, but I know that the Bible says you have a purpose to favor his righteous cause. You have a purpose, come on, to uh, establish his covenant in the earth. You can do that flipping a burger. You can do that cleaning windows. You can do that operating a business. You can do that being a fireman. You can do that being an officer of the law. Whatever you, you put your hands to, if it's kingdom-minded that you are, then you'll have a kingdom purpose, and all that you do, you'll do for the glory of God. Not, not for your vacations. Nothing wrong with that, and God wants you to be blessed and have that, but not for... Uh, not for your enjoyment first, but for the kingdom first. Why? Because if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all those other things like enjoyment, clothes, food, all these other things will just be added unto me. Now, you can be on the ground chasing after those things, or you can be on the horse like a prince where things are just added to you. Come on, somebody. There's a difference 
between running and chasing after the blessing and the blessing coming after you and the riches coming after you. And so when you're walking with covenant mentality and kingdom-mindedness, things will begin to flow into your life without you having to go after it. Amen. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm trying to stir you up a little bit, trying to get your focus off of just you for one moment and get it on God to the point where you say, God, how can I favor your righteous cause? He says, let them shout for joy and be glad. Who? Those that favor his righteous cause. Then he says, yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Boy, that is just a mouthful right there. Let's read that last part right, right where it says, let the Lord. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Read that one more time. Let the Lord. One more time. Let the Lord be magnified, which has, he's pleased. He's pleased in prospering me. He's pleased to prosper me. It makes him two things, two things. It, when you prosper, number one, it magnifies God. So the reverse side of that is if I'm not prospering, I'm not magnifying God. Right? That would be the reverse, that would be the reverse side of that. that. That's the inversion of that. And that would be that would be truth as well. So if I am magnifying God by prospering him then I'm not magnifying God by not prospering. So the first thing that prosperity does in your life, it magnifies God. So I want to make sure, because I know people that aren't even saved, that have their hands on wealth. I want to make sure that the prosperity that this Bible here is talking about is the prosperity that magnifies God. Well, notice first, it's tied to favoring God's righteous cause. Okay? So your wealth will magnify God. Number one. Number two, God takes pleasure in me prospering. God takes ple God's pleased when I prosper. He's pleased with my prosperity. He's pleased... For me, I mean, you know, you're going to hear people say, well, I, I would stay away from that, you know, because money's evil. My, ever heard that? Money's evil. We're going to deal with that cow too. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that money's evil. I'll tell you one scripture, the Bible says that if you can't deal faithfully with unrighteous mammon, which is talking about money, that you won't deal correctly with the anointing. So there's a connection to your money and the anointing. Right? And so when you've got the two flowing together and money's serving you and you're not serving it, that's when the anointing will begin to flow towards the purpose in your life that's favoring God's righteous cause.
So understand this, and I know we're spending a lot of time in this scripture, but you need to see this first, foundational, that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of who? The servants. Now let's, let's understand that in New Testament context. Are you a child of God or are you a servant? I'm a child of God by nature. I'm a servant of God by choice. Okay? Let this mind, Philippians tells us, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ who thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself in the form of a servant. This is the decision you have to make in your life. I am a child of God by nature, but I'm going to make a high choice in my life to become a servant because there's something attached to servanthood that the child don't get. All right? What, what are you talking about? There's prosperity and reward that will only come to a servant by choice. God don't want you to give or serve or even pray by manipulating you or twisting your arm behind your back or forcing you to do something. He wants you choosing to do it out of your heart and when you flow out of that, there's much pleasure that God has when he sees his son or his daughter saying, I'm going to take the position of a servant because I'm about my father's business. You know, a lot of parents take great pride when their kids grow up and say, I want to join the family business. I want to do what my daddy does. I want to do what, my, what I've seen my mom do, what I, what I grew up watching them do in business, and, and, and I want to join the family business. That's not always the case. But do you know your heavenly father, when he sees his child make a choice to say, I'm going to serve in my father's business? <laughs> There's positions that some people get that some children won't get in the natural in some businesses because some children can't handle those positions because of mindsets. And there's places in the kingdom for you that you'll be able to rise up and walk in if you just change the way you think in the area of prosperity. Amen? So, let's get started with this. You ready? Glory to God. Number one, establish this truth in your heart and in your, in your mind. Okay? Right here. God wants me rich. Just as much as he wants me healed, forgiven of my sins. Because the same price that was paid for my healing and the same place where Jesus died for my sins is the same price and the same place that he brought about my prosperity and gave it to me. It's at the cross. And the same uh, the same redemptive acts for forgiveness of sins and all of that is the same and inclusive. It's the same act at the same moment that includes my prosperity. So get this in your mind and get it established in your mind. God wants me rich. 
Just like God wants me healed, God wants me rich. Just, just like God wants me uh, walking in righteousness and not being condemned, free from condemnation, God wants me rich. It's my covenant right. And if I believe God sent his son to the cross to die for my sins, then I also have to believe that he also died to redeem me from the curse of poverty and to make me rich. It's at the same place, at the same moment, at the same time. So it's wrapped up in the same salvation package. So get this truth in your heart and in your mind. Number one, God wants me rich. Say that out loud. God wants me rich. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I told you, forget about your age. But I'm on Social Security. I can't see above that. Or I'm, I'm on a limited income. You need to quit saying that after today. We're going to do the shotgun message with double barrel shotgun. We're going to hit every one of those things real quick so that you leave this place with some understanding that God, God's not bound by Social Security and limited income. You, you, so your income limit, limits God? All right. So we're going to get rid of that. Notice what he says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is grace. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. All right? So we could say the same thing about sickness and disease because it was substitutionary. It was an act of substitution. At the cross, Jesus became sick. We know that because by his stripes, we were healed. At the cross, he took our place as a substitute. He took the sinner's place by taking the curse, taking the sin, taking the disease. And he paid, he paid the price for all of it. Remember the song we sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Paid it all. He paid it all. 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 So he paid for what? He paid for sin, the curse of poverty, lack, sickness, disease. How? He became sin. He was made sin. Who knew no sin? He became sickness and disease. He took the sickness and disease of uh, uh, every disease you can think of or even name that came upon him where? At the cross. And he also took poverty because we see in this scripture it establishes that at the cross, we know that's the place where it took place. For our sakes, he became poor that yet, that, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Right? Could we say the same thing about healing? He became sick that through his disease and his sickness and him taking that curse on the tree, we might be healed. He was made sin, right? Where? At the cross. So that, and it was for our sakes, so that through his being made sin, through him becoming the sinner on the cross, we might be righteous. Right? So the place of substitution 
was the cross, the place of the cutting of the covenant between God and man was the cross. And at the cross, the covenant of prosperity, hallelujah, was dealt to you and I. It was ratified by the blood, the payment price of the blood, and through his resurrection, hallelujah, through his resurrection, it, it's validated. So we have a right, just like we got a right to forgiveness of sins. Are you, is it clearly coming across what I'm saying? Just like we have a right to healing. Just like you have a right to be made righteous. Just like you have a right to joy and, and the gift of the Holy Ghost, even. And the fire of God, it belongs to you. You have a right to be rich. He became poor so you wouldn't have to be poor. Right? We know this, that in Luke chapter 4, the Bible says, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To what? Preach the gospel. To who? The poor. What's good news to the poor man? You don't have to be poor no more. Right? And the anointing is on the message of the good news and the messenger of Jesus Christ to set the poor man free. God don't want you poor no more. That rhymes. You know why? We know because he sent Jesus from heaven to earth who was rich, right? And though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that through his poverty you, 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 everyone in here might be rich. Establish that in your thinking. Establish that. Get that established in your heart. Hallelujah. You say, well, you know that poverty is talking about him, you know, be, being made sin. No, it's very specific. Even if you read it in the original translation, this is talking about being poor in every area. Every area, even, even financially. Jesus had anything and everything he wanted at any time. He needed tax dollars, remember that? All he had to do was go fishing. Why? Because he, he, he understood the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. <laughs> right? If he needed a house, he had a house. If he needed a boat, he had a boat. And it took money to have all them disciples going around, chasing after him, following him everywhere he went. He had to feed them. He had to multiply fish. I mean, he wasn't poor. He had all of heaven backing him at any moment. Glory to God. Right? Hallelujah. And so, although he had everything he needed, he was made poor. He became poor so, so that through his poverty we might be rich. Now go here to 3 John. Glory to God. 3 John. Chapter 1, verse 2. 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2. Y'all bored with this? Beloved. Are you the beloved? Beloved, I wish. The original in the Greek, the word wish there would be translated pray. So he's not wishing and hoping. This is, the, this is his prayer for the church, for the beloved. 
I wish, and then look at the next phrase, above all things. So above all things would mean this is priority. This is something I prioritize in praying for you. Glory to God. What, what would be his priority in praying for the beloved? That, that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Glory to God. Even as thy soul prospers. And then look what he says. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came to me, when, the, when, the, when a church member came to me and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the... In other words, I got a lot of joy finding out that Satira came up to me and said, I'm walking in this truth of prosperity. It's working for me. The blessing opened up a door and finances came to me that I wasn't even looking for it, but it just flowed into my life and I got something now, glory to God, that I can use for the kingdom. Well, that would make that, that would have made the writer of this book jump up for joy. That's what he's saying. I found out some people that I've been teaching this, that I've been praying for, walking in this truth. All right? What truth? That they'd prosper and be in health. God wants me blessed financially. God wants me well physically. Amen. You can't do a whole lot sick, can you? And you can't do a whole lot broke. And so if you want to come out of that, then you need to get these scriptures established in your heart and then coming out of your mouth. Amen? We are to walk in this truth. And then look what it says. Beloved, I pray above all that you may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. In other words, to the degree that your soul prospers will be the degree that your pocketbook will prosper. God will not prosper you above and beyond what you know. Prosperity will begin with the prosperity of your soul. What's that? That's my mind, my will, and my emotions. So I've got to get my mind what? Number two, I've got to renew my mind and expand my vision. First, I've got, I've got to what? I've got to establish in my heart God wants me prospering. I got covenant wealth, and God wants that for me. Secondly, if that's what God wants, I got to get my mind renewed, and I got to expand my vision. Okay? And so look here at John chapter 15, verse 3. John chapter 15, verse 3. I can already feel people pulling the reins on me, but I'm not moved by how I feel. I can already feel in my mind, you know, but just, just, just there's people saying, I've heard this, and I just, I just don't think we need to go here with this. I think we need to hear something spiritual. Well, then why would God put these scriptures in the verse if it ain't spiritual? You need to hear this, especially in Hemet. You don't even get too far without getting a vision of prosperity, of poverty. So you've got to get your mind renewed and you've got to expand your vision. So then look at John chapter 15, verse 3. It says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken. 
So we're going to take this word for the next few weeks, maybe on Wednesday nights, and we're going to clean you up. <laughs> we're going to scrub some stuff. We're going to get some corrosion off. We're going to get some grime and some grease off because that's what the word does is it keeps you clean from contaminated thoughts. And if you have any ounce of poverty mentality thinking in your mind, you, need, you needed some good scrubbing going on. I know I've needed some scrubbing going on. I've caught myself saying some things that I thought, dear God, I've preached and preached this message and I hear I am talking like those I preach too. Maybe I need to listen back at some of my old messages. What do we do? Well, we live in a world, first of all. We, we live in this world. And Romans chapter 12 tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? With the washing of the water of the word of God. That's what cleans and scrubs your mind from the contaminations of this world that's trying to transform or conform you. The devil takes no greater joy. If God takes joy for you being rich, the devil takes joy in you being poor. If, if be, being rich and prosper magnifies God, being poor, and, and especially fighting for the right to be poor, magnifies the devil. Now, you take a lot of flack for that. I know preachers that have, but it's the truth. Either the Bible's true or it's not. And I don't know about you, I want things to magnify God in my life. So what do I got to do? I, the way I think is the direction I'll go in life because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what am I going to do? I got to change the way I think, especially about prosperity. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. Our mind has to be scrubbed of what? Religion? Falsehoods? doctrines of men the lies of Satan things that we've heard that don't line up with the word and for a brief moment we'll deal with some of these things but look here first this is talking in context you could use this concerning marriage but then he goes in talking about his relation Christ and the church remember he says in the prior verse husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church. So to, to the degree that Christ loved the church, husbands, you should have the same parallel with your wife. How does Christ love the church? Well, he sanctified it. Look here. That he might sanctify it. He cleanseth it. And, he, and with the washing of the water of the word, he washes. He washes the church. Why would, we, why would we need washing? Because there's so many outlets of things that we can hear that are bent at getting you conformed. Right? Cares of the world. There's a lot to look at that gets you into worry and gets you into a poverty mentality. And God loves you so much he gave you the word so you can scrub your way of thinking. Get your mind clean. Look at the next verse. Verse 27 says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, with no check engine light. 
right? Every once in a while, check engine light comes on, even in your car. But those checkpoints in your life ought to point you to the Word because that's what cleans you. That's what purifies you. That's what renews your mind so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind and prove what is the excellent, perfect will of God, and that is to be blessed with prosperity. Amen? Glory to God. So let's begin. I I thought about this. You know, if you had more than enough, just this thought, and and you've got a son, you've got an abundance of just, and he's getting married, and you really like who he's marrying, and you're thinking, man, I got enough. I I go buy him a house. How many would do that? You'd like to do that. Anybody ever thought, you know, I'd like to buy, you know, my son or my daughter or family member that's I got three sons man I, I'd like for them never have to ever worry about finances I want them to work don't don't misunderstand me there's character development we're not going to skip that phase we're not going to skip that phase that's a whole nother <laughs> message right but I mean, I'm talking about like, like a wedding gift. It's like, man, wouldn't it be cool? My, you guys just got married, my son. It would have been cool to have so much abundance that I could say, I'm going to get you a house. I'm going to furnish you with that house. Wouldn't you love to do that for your kid? You, you don't have to furnish it. You come home from your honeymoon. You come home to that house. And it's, if you had more than enough to do that, would you do that for your child? Yeah. I mean, that'd be awesome to be able to do that. And then the Lord pointed me to this verse because I heard that. My, would you do that for your child? I'm thinking, yeah. And he said, I'd, I'd like to do that for you, and I've got more than enough. <laughs> so he pointed me to this verse. He always backs up what he says with Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. And, and the Lord said, get your mind renewed to this thought. I want more for you than you can ever imagine. It says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Now, when he says evil there, he's he's talking to people that aren't renewed. Number one, aren't redeemed, because Christ hadn't finished the work on the cross yet. Right? They weren't saved. But he's also talking just about about Gentiles in, in and the human race, if you being just a human know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? And boy, that just went off in my spirit, and I heard God say that to me. He goes, I got more than enough. I got so much to give. The earth is mine, the fullness thereof. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. The gold, and the the scripture says, the gold and the silver are mine. Who do you think he wants to give that to? What did he say? How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? Are there things that he wants to give to you? Get that renewed in your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get it renewed in your mind that you have a heavenly Father that wants you blessed. Hallelujah. God wants me blessed. And 
God's rich. He's the God of more than enough. He's the God of more than enough. There's more than enough supply to take care of me. There's enough gold, enough silver, enough ground, enough land, enough property, enough buildings. Come on. Hallelujah. There's enough for the church, enough for his children. God has it in store for you. How much more will your heavenly Father give to those that ask? Or in another way of putting it is to those that walk in faith. Right? Because that word ask is translated demand, which is an authoritative word. So it's talking about walking in your authority. Not demanding God, but walking in an authority of faith that puts a demand on what's yours. Glory to God. Now, number two. This, this thought come to me. A lot of people have this idea that money's evil. Get your mind changed about that. Money's not evil. Money's a good thing. Especially when your gas bill has doubled or tripled. <laughs> Next time you have this idea, well, I don't want money because it's evil and it just, a lot of evil things happen with people that have money. Just, just next time the creditor comes to your door, just call SoCal Edison and say, I'm sorry I'm not paying my bill because that money's evil that pays it. Bye. <laughs> and you know, they don't care if you think it's evil, they're shutting your lights off. You tell Citibank, you know, that holds your mortgage, money's evil, not paying for my house today. You see how that works for you. Yeah? You, in fact, go out to eat today. Go to, go to Sizzler, Chipotle, I don't care where you go. Go wherever you want. And you just tell them, hey, uh, I'll take the food, but I'm not paying you because money's evil. <laughs> in fact, when, when payday comes and you get your check on the 15th and your boss is going to hand it to you or wherever you get it, just rip it in half and say, I don't want this check because it's evil. <laughs> Quit lying to yourself and listening to the lie of the devil that's telling you money's evil. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. You better change your way of thinking about that. When you change your way of thinking about that, you'll have a different relationship with money. Problem is, it's not money that's evil. It's an evil relationship. When you've got an evil relationship with money, then you become the servant of money. And whatever money tells you to do, that's what you do. But let me tell you something. It takes money to carry out your daily, uh, you know, think duties that you do in life. It takes money to drive to work. It takes money to have clothes to wear. It takes money to pay the bills, right? Come on. It's going to take money to eat today. It's going to take money to carry out your everyday thing that you do in life. And it takes money to do the kingdom, but God doesn't want you so fixed on money that it moves you and that you become in fear and with full of anxiety and worry and care. God has designed money to serve you. The right relationship with money and a right relationship with God, if you got your mind renewed to that, it will establish some things and some principles of prosperity in your heart and it will allow things to flow into your hands and in your life. Amen? Uh, I'm going to skip down, but you know Matthew chapter 6. 
verse 24 says this no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll hold the one and despise the other notice what he says you can't serve God and mammon in other words you can't serve them both you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money but if you serve God money will serve you if you've served money then you'll hate the one and love the other in other words once you start serving money it separates you from the things of God it will you know people have chosen money over God we're talking about right relationship with money that's that's what will become evil and will destroy you in your life if you love money more than you love God it'll destroy you if you serve money and do what it tells you to do and, st and, then, and don't follow God or obey God or do what God tells you to do, you are not a candidate for servanthood prosperity. I'll tell you why I'm going on a little rabbit trail or I'm in the weeds here a little bit. I'll tell you why there's businesses that are so blessed that you couldn't break the backbone of of, of their of their blessing on their life They're, they've got some fortitude and some strength and doesn't matter what they say or try to shut you down you, you look at chick-fil-a they made a decision we, we're not open on sundays because we're serving god we're, we're letting our people go to church and we're just putting god first and man i can't even get in their line because i ain't got time to wait 30 minutes in a drive-through line to get one of their small little sandwiches they're not the best I can make a better one than that. I'm going to tell you right now, I make a mean Nashville hot chicken sandwich. It's good. But you just, there's something, man, I, you go through Chick-fil-A, there's something about them making that sandwich. We're going to honor God. There's something about a place called Hobby Lobby who when there was a hurricane a mile wide I mean a mile wide going through Missouri and it was destroying everything in its path just decided to change direction so it would miss a Mardell's and a Hobby Lobby store and then it diverted and went another direction there's something about a blessing that's on a kingdom minded business that says we're going to put first God there's something about some of these uh Businesses like Caterpillar, I think it's Caterpillar, and they, they tithe 90% and live off the 10. <laughs> I'm, they're not doing that because someone told them they had to do it. They got a revelation. I'm putting God first. I'm, I trust in God. I'm not, I don't love this money to where it's got a hold of me. I love God. He's got a hold of me. And if God tells me to do something with my money, my money's got to serve me and do what I tell it to do. I don't listen to money and do what it tells me to do. I listen to God. You can't serve both. You serve one or the other. Get your mind renewed to that. Say, well, money's evil. No, money's good as a tool as a servant that obeys you but the moment you start obeying it it'll turn you into a person you never wanted to be 
all right? And then it becomes the love of money. And that's the root of corruption, of the curse coming into your life and destroying your family, destroying your marriage. I remember one person, is this okay? Is this all right helping anybody? person come to me one time said, just a, a real blessing to the church when we first started. And at that time, when you first started, you had a handful of people. You're like, Lord, send us tithers. <laughs> Especially when you got a mortgage, you know, it's almost $10,000. It's like, <laughs> Lord, I, I, I thank you for those that contribute and are a blessing, you know, when it's offering time because it takes money to pay the bills and keep the lights on. And we, we looked at families and thought, thank, thank you, Lord. I appreciate you sending people that have a heart for what you've called us to do. We're just obeying you. Whatever we say do, they, they back it up. And we had a person like that one time. They said, Pastor, and, and they said, when my ship comes in, when my ship comes in, I, I'm going to take care of you. And I learned to just kind of think, you know what? God's my source, not you or your ship when it comes in. So, so don't, even, don't, even, don't even say that. I didn't say that to him, but I'm thinking, I, I want to hear that because my, my hope isn't in what you say. Well, you know, their ship came in. Literally, their ship came in. They bought a yacht. And when they bought their yacht, we, we seen them like once every three months. And their ship came in. They were out on that ship. Their priorities changed. I didn't care whether they gave me anything. I wasn't thinking about that. But when their priorities changed, what came in for them destroyed them. Destroyed them. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. He ran into an old high school buddy, friend of his he used to do drugs with. And he ain't done drugs in a long time, but he was in this place where he probably shouldn't have been. Wrong place, wrong time. In the bathroom, found this person, and he gave him, he, he, he said, take a hit of this, gave him that, and all of a sudden, it destroyed his life, lost his marriage, his family deserted him. He was found in a ditch three days. Wasn't dead. He was just knocked out. He was in a ditch three days, rolled over in his truck, high as a kite, lost everything. So your relationship with money needs to be right. You want this mindset that my relationship with God is greater than my relationship with money to the place where I serve him. My money serves me. See, prosperity ain't all what kind of car you drive. You can drive a 1982 uh, lima bean colored Pinto. You, you remember that was the colors back then? Brown. You know, greens and pale colors. And, but you can have that look like a million bucks. Because you got a spirit of prosperity on you. Those tires will look good. Floor mats ain't got two years of grime and dirt and all your nose pickings that you threw down there. <laughs> you clean it, you appreciate it. And then you can take a brand new Mercedes Benz and give it to someone that's got a spirit of poverty and that thing will never change the oil on it. Check engine light comes on and you leave it on, all of a sudden blow your engine. Right? 
So I'm not talking about the kind of car you drive. I'm talking about the way you think. I'm not talking about how big your house is. How do you think? In fact, you'll never come out of where you're at till you change the way you think. People say, well, if I just got a new car, it would change me. If I got a new house, it would change me. If I got a, if maybe if I just got a suit, it would change me. I'd look prosperous. You never look pro prosperous thinking you can fake it. You know what that's called? Big hat, no cattle. I've seen people say, you know, people, men's retreat, we've seen the fishing thing. Guys get all up into fishing that never fished before. They go to Bass Pro Shop. They spend all kind of money. They get a real nice hat. They get a, they get a inner tube, and they get all these fishing gear and all this, spend all this money. They don't catch one thing. They look the part, but they don't know a thing of what they're doing. You got all these people go to country music, you know, concerts and stuff. They got the big hat and the boots and all this stuff. They look like a rancher, but they ain't got no cattle. It's called the big hat, no cattle syndrome. And let me tell you, stuff, stuff ain't going to change you and make you prosperous. The Word's going to wash you and cleanse the way you think. And your mindset, come on somebody, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Some people say, if I could just lay on the, the marble floor at Nordstrom's, maybe I'll have a spirit of prosperity. If you just get your Bible out. You could get a Bible definition of biblical prosperity. Can we just talk about some of that right now? Abram, was he rich? The Bible says he was very rich. He wasn't just rich. He was very rich with cattle. Come on. Job, chapter 1. Job was the richest man in the east. This is under old covenant. Solomon, come on, had more riches than anybody. Yet in all of his glory, he had all these riches. He still wasn't like you and I under a new covenant. Glory to God. You could go through the Bible and you could see all of these people that were rich with stuff. Right? And you say, well, what's biblical prosperity look like? It looks like abundance. It looks like more than enough. It looks like stuff. Come on. Someone... Uh, you let me use your car, and I'm thinking, I, I, you, you, your car was sitting in my driveway. I used it for a couple days. I had a real nice Corvette in my driveway. I loved it. It was fun. But I thought to myself, I got all these cars in my driveway. I got my two sons' cars. I got a church truck. I've got my two cars. My house looks like a car lot. <laughs> and today, everybody wants to be, you know, minimalist. You know, less is, is more. I'm thinking, I'd like to have a driveway but then I got to thinking, this looks like a car lot. And, and then God spoke to me. He goes, but I'd like to bless you with more than enough where you actually had too much to where you could look at someone that don't have a car and say, here, take it. Here's the pink slip to it. Be blessed with it. How much do I owe you, Pastor? Nothing. You don't owe me nothing. You say, well, you like that? Have you ever done it? I've done it three times. One time the Lord, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you this is how the Lord dealt with me. I had this uh, 1999 black 740i L BMW. Loved it. Was my favorite BMW. Paid for it. We paid for it cash. Owned it. 
And you remember that, Rhonda, you remember that when you first started coming? We were driving that. I loved it. Uh, it just, it, it was one of my favorite. And I've had newer vehicles and stuff, but that one I loved. Maybe because I owned it. I remember one time, I, I think it was Parker, he was out there, it was raining, and the raindrops were dripping off the, the garage door, and he is taking a hammer, and he's swinging at the raindrops. I'm thinking, what's he doing? He's swinging at the raindrops. And the hammer lets go and goes through the through his hands, slips through the hands, and busts the, the rear tail light of that. Well, a cup holder in that car was like four hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? So I had to replace that. And I, I and I would do it for that car. I did. Loved that car. And I got in it one day and I was just proud, just got a wax, and I was just excited about taking it for a spin and the Lord spoke to me and said, That's not your car no more. I said, what? He said, I want you to give it to so-and-so. And my flesh right away just rose up on the inside of me. I love that car, but I love God more than I love the car. So the car now is not just for my enjoyment. It's a servant to me. See what I'm saying? It's a seed. You got to start looking at your stuff as seed. God wants to bless you with seed. Now that's a whole nother level of prosperity that you'll begin to walk in that'll get you into bigger harvest in your life. And before I even got to talk to my wife, I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And I called that person. I said, hey, I need you to come over tonight. I got a set of keys and a pink slip. The car is yours. They didn't even want the car. I said, take it. I don't care what you do with it. I don't care if you sell it, pay your debts off, pay your bills off. It's once it leaves my hand, it's dead to me. Take it. You know, I'm not the kind of person that give you a fur coat and say, hey, why aren't you wearing it? And you know what? They did in two weeks. They sold it and paid their bills off, and I didn't care. Because seed, once it leaves your hand, has to be dead to you. If it's not dead to you, it didn't leave your hands. If it didn't leave your hands, it's not in the ground. If it's not in the ground, it can't grow up and produce for you. If you gave in the offering today and you're still thinking, boy, I could have paid my light bill, it's not dead to you. It may not be in your hands, but it's still in your heart and in your thinking. So what am I saying? If you have the right relationship with money, that means you'll have a, a sensitivity to the voice of God in your spirit where if God says, give this or do this with it, you'll follow that and money will become your greatest servant. And if God can entrust you with money, he'll get so much through you that if you live off the drip of it, it'll be more than what you ever could chase after or earn on an eight-hour eight a week, five days, six days a week for ten years. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so what we're going to do, and I'm done here. I'm, I'm done with these. We're, we're going to rise up to a place where our heart's going to be conditioned and right and correct towards money, but it's going to be flowing, and we're going to usher in, come on, uh, not just expansion, but harvest for the kingdom. Hallelujah. And we're going to enjoy being blessed at the same time and not feel like, well, you know, I'd rather be humble. 
let's just stomp on this little sacred cow just in closing you know we have this idea that humility means being poor no most people that that have that attitude are humble and proud well I just want to be humble well you know what the world defines humility as thinking of yourself in a real low abased level and there's some truth to that but you know the Bible definition of humility can I read that to you because this this will change your concept and your idea of what it means to uh, follow in the knowledge of God and in the promises of God humility means believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion including your own that's a Bible definition humility means I'm gonna believe what God says about me over everyone else's opinion including my own so if God says I've called you to be poor then it's all right to be humble and poor but he didn't say that he said Jesus by his grace became poor so that you through his poverty might be made rich so go ahead in humility and think the way I think about you and be humble and rich thank you for the enthusiasm from the right side the rest of you want me to quit because it's three minutes till noon but I tell you for some of you poverty don't quit it's going to work on you when you get out of here but you want prosperity working on you right I didn't even get through this message but y'all get something out of that today well, I'm just going to be humble and poor get that out of your get that out of your vocabulary poor poverty does not go with humility humility is conforming to God's opinion about you what God says about you God says you're rich before you even have a dime God called you saved before you ever accepted Jesus he reconciled the whole world unto himself but you had to receive him amen y'all get something out of that today take what God says about you and his opinion about you and say I'm going to conform to that glory to God and that takes humility to do that it takes pride to rise up in you and say I'm a, I don't believe that it takes pride to rise up in you and say well I'm not going to believe in that seed time and harvest and that sowing and reaping and that tithe and stuff well go ahead and don't believe it and tell me how it works for you I'll tell you what, the word will always work for you. Amen. Well, did you get something out of that today? Praise the Lord. Give God a shout. Amen. Before we're done, before we